Hello, friends, and welcome to the Everyday Truth Podcast with Kurt Skelly. Our purpose is to show you that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day. We're glad you joined us here for the conversation as we're challenged from the book of 1 Samuel to let God lead. Now let's hear what Kurt has to say. And welcome back, friends, to the very last chapter of our study of the book of 1 Samuel. Thank you again for just being so faithful to the Lord, to His Word, and I do hope that this a series has been a help to you. If it has, uh, one of the great ways you can help us is simply leave a review. You don't have to write anything or say anything unless you want to, but even if you just kind of click on those five stars, uh, that would really just help promote the podcast. And so if you would be willing to do that, uh, I want to thank you in advance. Maybe the best place to do that would be simply to go to Podbean, P-O-D-B-E-A-N, Dot com and look up the uh, that's where that's our kind of our host platform and that'd probably be the best way to do that but if you can great if not just thanks for listening it means a lot so first Samuel 31 verse number one uh, where the Bible says now the Philistines fought against Israel so we're going now from the scene down south against the Amalekites and the victory that David won to the stark contrast of the loss of Saul. So the Philistines fought against the Israel, and the men of Israel fled from before the Philistines and fell down slain in Mount Gilboa. And the Philistines followed hard upon Saul, upon his sons. The Philistines slew Jonathan, Abinadab, Melchishua, Saul's sons. And the battle went sore against Saul. The archers hit him, and he was sore wounded of the archers. Then said Saul unto his armor-bearer, Draw thy sword, thrust me through therewith, lest these uncircumcised come and thrust me through, and abuse me. But his armor-bearer would not, for he was so afraid. Therefore Saul took a sword and fell upon it. And when his armor-bearer saw that Saul was dead, he fell likewise upon his sword and died with him. So Saul died, and his three sons, and his armor-bearer, and all his men that same day together. Wow. You know, we knew this was coming. We saw the prediction by Samuel there at the house of, of the witch of Endor. We know that Saul has brought this upon himself, but it's still sad when you read it in real time. It is very sad. And as you were reading, my mind went back to what Samuel did say. And as you mentioned, this is exactly what Samuel said would happen. And, and this is a sad day. You know, people who are walking with God don't take delight when others around them have, you know, chastisement brought into their life. You know, they're not they're not excited to see people punished. Uh, And David was not going to be excited about this either, although we won't get into that. But I think what a sad day. And I think of Jonathan. You know, Jonathan was the one who said, David, I'm going to be there with you. We're going to be together. But that was not what God had. And this is a sad day in the family of Saul. Jonathan just showed faithfulness to his dad until the very day of his death, literally. Uh, Jonathan, what, a, what a, an example in the Bible for, for all of us. Uh, and then I think about just even the venue of that battle, Mount Gilboa. John, you and I have stood at the base of Mount Gilboa at a place called Gideon's Spring. I can't help but think that just uh, a few decades before this took place, Gideon, 
was in this exact spot where Saul was. And Gideon faced far worse odds than Saul faced. And yet Gideon, a humble man uh, that trusted God, not a warrior by trade, not a king, and God delivered him and used him in a great way. It wasn't strength that Saul lacked. It wasn't position that Saul lacked. It was the Spirit of God. It was the blessing of God. And Saul came to an end of a very troubled and wayward life. I think about in this world how that people often gauge military strength by, you know, missiles, tanks, ships, you know, people, so forth and so on. Uh, but you said so well how that, that that's not what's important to God. And I think I've even in Proverbs, you know, the horse is prepared against the day of battle, but safety is of the Lord. God intentionally told the kings to not amass a large number of horses because horses all for military might and God wanted them to trust in him. And the day, the reason Saul lost, as, as you just mentioned, was not because God was insufficient, but it was because Saul is being judged, Israel's being judged. They have not been following God. And that is what makes this all so sad is it didn't have to end this way, but it does because of poor choices throughout life. Saul witnessed the death of his three sons. Uh, no doubt thinking, I want my sons to reign, not David. And yet he saw all of those dreams dashed in front of him. And then think about how maniacal and doggedly, maniacally and doggedly, Saul had chased David all those years, wanting to kill him. And David had at least two prime opportunities to kill Saul. And both times, David said, I'm not going to lift up mine hand against the Lord's anointed. Um, Vengeance belongs to God. God will take care of Saul. And ironically, the Saul who tried to kill David succeeded only in killing himself. Saul killed himself. The sword that David could have used to kill Saul was the sword that killed Saul. But Saul was the wielder of it. You know, I think what what a picture of Saul throughout his life that Saul on this occasion literally took his life in his own hands. But that's how Saul lived his life. Saul lived his life, taking his life in his own hands, doing what he thought was best, what he thought was right. And this was the very end now of a selfish king who had not focused upon serving God, who had not been intent on glorifying and honoring God. And now this man who had taken matters in his own hands throughout his life, he dies by taking his own life. Just again, what a sad tragedy because of the way Saul lived, the way that he died is just sad. And the, the, the innocent people, those that had followed him all those years, verse number seven, and when the men of Israel that were on the other side of the valley, so this was a large extensive battle, and they that were on the other side of Jordan, so the Jordan River would be not too far from the Gilboa Range, uh, so certainly within sight, when they saw that the men of Israel fled and that Saul and his sons were dead, they forsook the cities and fled. And the Philistines came and dwelt in them. And it came to pass on the, morrow, on the morrow when the Philistines came to strip the slain that they found Saul and his three sons fallen in Mount Gilboa. Now understand back in those days, you know, the, the, the bodies of and the armor of a leader of the enemy would be a great trophy. 
And so the Bible says in verse 9 that they cut off his head and they stripped off his armor. They sent into the land of Philistines round about to publish it in the house of their idols and among the people. One of the saddest parts of living a carnal life, a life that doesn't honor God, is that you become a trophy in the hands of the enemies. Uh, God's reputation is besmirched because of your lack of fidelity to God. And I think about the truth we talked about back way back in 1 Samuel 17 when Goliath was fighting with Israel, the Philistines and Goliath are champion. And we talked about this concept, how that back in that day, even the Philistines thought, hey, the person with the greater God's going to win. Well, now the Philistines think, hey, our God was greater. Our God gave us the victory. And that's why they're publishing these tidings. They're glorifying their gods, their false gods. And so the way Saul has lived, he could have lived his life in a way that glorified God. And he could have glorified God at the end of his life. But he is not a glorified God. And now he dishonors God even in his death. And the Philistines haven't learned their lesson either. <laughs> Remember when they took the Ark of the Covenant uh, earlier, um, you know, they... Uh, they had erroneously assumed that, hey, this means we're stronger than the God of Israel. And when they put that Ark of the Covenant in the temple of their God, they found out that was not true. Look at verse number 10. And they put his armor in the house of Ashtaroth. They fastened his body to the wall of Bethshan. Now, what's interesting is the idol of Ashtaroth didn't fall over. And the... Uh, there seemed to be no no power to Saul's armor. No, the power never was in the armor. The power never was in the military strength or the person. The power was in God, and Saul had rejected him. But watch what they did with the bodies. They put his body on the wall of Bet-Shan. So I've been to Bet-Shan. It was a major city sitting at the, the, the... connecting point of the Valley of Herod, which runs along the mountains of Gilboa and heads to the west from the Jordan River into the Jezreel Valley, spilling into the Valley of Armageddon. And then it also stands at the place where the valley turns south, the Jordan Valley. And it's right on the Jordan River. So Bethshan was a major city And they put Saul's body on the wall to say, see that, Israel? See that? We're stronger. This headless body, how grotesque the bodies of Saul and his sons. But watch verse 12, uh, or rather verse 11. And when the inhabitants of Jabesh-Gilead heard of that which the Philistines had done to Saul, all the valiant men arose. They went all night. They took the body of Saul and the bodies of his sons from the wall of Betshan. They came to Jabesh and burnt them there. And they took their bones and buried them under a tree at Jabesh and fasted seven days. Remember, my friends, at the beginning of our story, way back at the beginning of the book of First Samuel, when Saul had all of the promise of a new humble king, And how in his first year, he had saved the men of Jabesh-Gilead, who were being pestered by Nahash, and who had threatened to put out their eye. And Saul had defended them. Now here in his death, after having lived this troubled, wicked life, there's a thread of grace as these men from those early years 
came back and risked their lives to save and honor the body of Saul and his sons. And I think what a great thought that God puts us in the word of God so we know what happened. And as you mentioned, a thread of grace here. You know, Saul overall was not a great king, but not everything he did was bad. And here were some people that he ministered to that remembered, hey, Saul did some great things for us. And they come back and they rescued the dead body of Saul and those with him because they appreciate what he did do. And so, yes, Saul, to characterize Saul, Saul was not a man who that we want to emulate. Saul, though, did some things in his life that were noteworthy. And these people remembered that. And it is just it's just the grace of God that God includes this about Saul at Saul's death. Yeah, even Saul, we see this this space of grace here at the end of his life. And we're going to learn a little bit more. I, I, I would encourage you to read the, the first chapter of 2 Samuel and just see David's response to all of what happened here this day. It, it might surprise you. You might be thinking he'd be jumping up and down, clicking his heels together, ding dong, the witch is dead. But no, uh, he has a measure of respect for authority, for God, uh, for his best friend, Jonathan. And God just sees things differently than we do. And we need to take clues from the word of God uh, to know how to respond properly. Well, that's it, my friends. We have completed the book of 1 Samuel You've been here every step of the way, some of you, and I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for that. We'll continue on. Next book, next chapter. Looking forward to it. Hope you stay with us. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If everyday truth matters to you, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.